I want to jump into the Word, and um, we're going to continue our series, Heal Our Land. Heal Our Land. This is Heal Our Land Part 2. I believe God's going to, he's going to stir us. I believe we're going to be encouraged. Hope is going to fill our hearts. But I also believe this. I believe there's going to be some practical tools that are going to help you elevate your spiritual life. Just, just, just take, it, take it to the next level. And, um, you, you know, I, I feel like the enemy's kind of um, played, overplayed his hand in 2020. So, you know, it's just kind of, I, 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 I found myself just kind of getting down, getting discouraged, letting things get to me. And I had to remind myself who I was. And sometimes you got to look yourself in the mirror and just be like, do, do you, what are you doing? Sometimes you need to correct yourself. You need to rebuke yourself. I had a good old-fashioned rebuking session with myself. Do you remember why you're here? Do you remember who called you, Dustin? This isn't your choice. This isn't whatever you want to do. This is what he's doing. So put on your big boy pants, tackle 2020, redeem the year in the year, and why don't we see a move of God? Why don't we see God do something so supernatural, so miraculous, instead of writing off a year as a failure, why don't we redeem the year and advance the kingdom of God? Anybody in for that? That's what I'm saying. Man, I like y'all. This is, this is fun. Um... You, you know, during the during this service, I'm supposed to um, I'm supposed to not be preaching it, but I'm breaking rules. I'm, I, we're supposed to play it for you, and uh, not today, not today, not today, man. I need to. I just, yeah. Woo! All right, y'all ready? Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse fourteen. It says, "If my people." Who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will hear, heal their land. I will heal their land. How many of you think our land needs some uh, healing? Can anybody think of someone that needs some healing? You know, no one wants to say anything right there. Anybody have a spouse that needs, no, don't answer. Don't answer. Man, you know somebody needs, we need some healing. And the promise in the word of God is some clear steps on how we see God begin to heal his land. God wants to heal the land. How he's going to heal the land, he's going to heal your heart. When he heals people, the land begins to be healed. So God's heart has always been people. His mission has always been us. He uses us. He has a heart for us. And he uses us to minister to other people. And so he begins to heal us. And when he begins to heal us, our land begins to be healed. But I want you, I want you to look at this because we talked about this two weeks ago. It says, if my people who are called by my name. you got to know who you are. you got to know who you're called by. You need to know that you're called by God, that you're chosen by God. Your identity is what gives you authority. If you don't know who you are or whose you are, you will never have authority in the following steps of this verse, which is to pray. If you're praying, but you are coming in your name, you have no power. If you're praying and you're coming in your authority, you have no power. But if you come in the name of Jesus, that name has power. If you come in that name 
every devil in hell begins to tremble because I don't have power in my name, but he has power in his name. And when we declare the name of Jesus, things begin to happen. So you got to know, you got to know who, you got to know who you are. I got two boys at uh, Jude and Genesis, and they're with us right now in the, in, in the service, and, and um, they're six and five, and, and uh, when, when Jude was young, I, I wanted to kind of like toughen him up a little bit. I want to make sure he's ready for the real world, and uh, so I, I wrestle with him, you know, and, and uh, rough house, and, and uh, he's gotten stronger and stronger, and, um, and, and there's no like 80%, 50%, it's always 100 and so, you know, now I got to defend myself. And, uh, and then Genesis came along, and now there's, there's two of them. And, um, and, and so their favorite thing to do is, is to wrestle. And the problem is they've started trash talking. I may or may not have encouraged this, but it's happening. If my kids ever trash talk with your kids, please tell me. I will discipline them. But they, 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 their favorite thing to call me right now is weak man. I come home from work, long day at work, man, dealing with all kinds of stuff, come in the door, they're looking at their iPads, barely look up at me, hello, weak man. <laughs> weak man? Come over here, I'm going to show you weak, and then, you know, then it's on, so I don't say that. And, and, and so we just got, we just started to be fun. Last night, Genesis sit in my lap before bed, because you know what, before bed, they know how to they know how to turn it on, you know. So now it's like they're cuddling, and they're sweet, and he says, I love you old, weak man. It's like now we're, now we're adding on weak, as if weak man wasn't enough. Now it's old, weak man. And so they, 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 they like to just, you know, insult me. And uh, so Genesis, he's got a couple nicknames. Genesis, we call him Genesis. Genesis Jesse is his middle name. Jen. And, uh, and then a name that we started calling him when he was born was Baby. But we never stopped. Now he's five. And we still call him baby, and he likes baby the best, he says. And, um, and so we still, we still call him baby. Now, you can call him whatever you want, but he knows whose he is. You can call him baby, you can call him Genesis, you can call him Jen, you can call him G-Money, you can call him what, it all fits, little thug, whatever, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's all like rebel, I mean, it's, just, it's all there. It, it, you can call him whatever, but he knows who's, whose he is. I want to tell you this, the world can call you all kinds of names and put all kinds of titles on who you are and what you should do, but if you know whose you are, it determines the authority that you have when you pray. When you ask God or when you pray, you don't come in your name. You come in his name. You come in the identity that comes from him. We said this a couple weeks ago. We said this, I belong to God, so, and we used a backpack as an illustration, so this belongs to God. That backpack illustrates every part of who I am. I don't come to God with my perfect self. I don't come to God with a facade on my life. I come to God raw. I come to God with my failures, my frailties, my mistakes, my prejudices, my past, I bring it all. And I come to God, and because I belong to God, my stuff belongs to God. And what's wild about God is he loves us like that. He loves us with our extra. He loves us with our baggage. He loves us with our failures. He didn't choose the best version of us. He chose us who we are when we were in sin. That's when the Bible says, Romans teaches us, that he chose us then. While we were at our worst, he says, yeah, they're, they're mine. 
We belong to God, so our stuff belongs to God. Our identity is what gives us connection to the authority that God has. This, this is what the Bible says in our text. It says, humble yourself, humble yourself, and pray. Those who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Now, I know some of you, you're like, man, humility? We're going to talk about humility? Well, just enjoy humility, because next week we have to talk about wickedness and sin. <laughs> right? So no one's coming back next week. It's like, man, I, man, that's enough of that. But it says humble yourself. Biblically, to humble yourself means to go low. It would actually have this picture. It is recognizing that I don't have enough in and of myself to do everything I need to do. So I need a power that is outside of me. That's humility. Humility says I can't figure out every problem on my own. Humility says I need his power. I need his strength. So it's important if we're going to see God heal the land, not only do we have to know we're called by God, but we also have to know that we're humble, which means when you pray, you humble yourself. That when I, when I pray, I'm saying I need something outside of me. God, I need something from you. It says, and pray. I think for too long, we have thought about, complained, and argued about more than we've prayed about. And, and I know when we're talking about prayer, people have questions about prayer. It's like, well, I pray, I pray all the time. Or I pray before I eat. Or I, I pray for, I'll pray for you. You ever, you ever have been in church and have someone talk to someone and they say, I'll pray for you. You ever had that happen? This is what I want to do. I want to stop and be like, when? I want to know when. What are you going to pray? Next time I see you, I want to be like, how was that prayer? Because I think sometimes we just say it. Oh, I'll pray for you. Praying for you. Praying for you. Hey, praying for you. What are you praying? Did it happen? Who are you praying to? That's important too. What are you saying about me? Are you praying for me to do better or worse? Like, what do you pray? Prayer, I think for some of us, prayer is difficult because sometimes you pray and it feels like no one's, no one's hearing. I think for others, when you pray, it's difficult because you prayed for things and things haven't happened the way that you thought that they should happen. Or you've prayed, nothing happened, and so you gave up. You've prayed. So prayer, prayer, prayer is really important. But there's a couple understandings about prayer that you have to have if you're go going to have this type of prayer that begins to move the hand of God to heal our land. Andrew Murray says this, it is to prayer that God has given the right to take hold of him and his strength. It is in prayer that the promises wait for their fulfillment, the kingdom for its coming, the glory of God for its full revelation. You know what this is saying? It's saying that God works through prayer. How many miracles are waiting on the other side of your prayer? How many breakthroughs are waiting on the other side of our prayer? How many Miracles from God in relationships, in marriages, in finances are waiting on the other side because we've never prayed. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and you will receive. Some of us never ask. We never ask. See, I think for many of us, even when we're looking at the climate of our culture or the climate of our world, we look at it and we think, well, you know, it is what it is. You ever heard people say that? It is what it is. Did you know that in the kingdom of God, what it is, is not what it will be? What it is, is a current state, but what it will be, is determined on the people of God. 
according to this text, that what is or what will be is determined by the people of God who are called by by his name, who humble themselves and pray. I wonder if prayer has more power than we think it does. I wonder if prayer actually does more than we realize that it's doing. Prayer does a couple things. This is what prayer does. Prayer declares my need for God. This is simple, but this is so true. It says that I need you, God. This is humility in action. Prayer declares my need for God. When we pray, we humble ourselves and we ask for help. Dutch Sheets says this, you can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you've prayed. We have to pray first. Before we worry, before we stress, before we bail, before we complain, before we quit, we need to pray. I know for many of us, we have different understandings of the depth of prayer But it is the simple prayer. It is the desperate prayer. It is the sincere prayer. Not from an educated saint, but from any saint. From a man or woman of God who has the audacity to believe God's word and begin to declare his promises. When we pray, it declares, God, we need you. We need you. If you're going to have a prayer that heals the land, you've got to understand that prayer declares your need for God. Prayer does this as well. Prayer involves God in my problem. It involves him in my problem. See, see, many of us, we deal with problems outside of God. Think about it. When you pray, you involve him into your situation. You pull him into your current situation. Many of us, we deal with stress, we deal with stress, and then we go to church. No, wait. I gotta, I gotta pull God into my dysfunction. I got to pull God into my struggle. I got to pull God into my doubts. I don't doubt over here and then come and worship. I bring my doubts with me to God because when I pray, I not only declare my need for him, but I also involve him now in my problem. It's called partnership. It's called partnership. Everything that God does in the earth, he does in response to prayer. I don't know why God chose to use us, but he did. God chose to relegate himself to the prayer of faith, which means he's waiting on faith-filled prayers to move. I wonder if some of, I'm going to be careful, I wonder if some of our problems are a result of our lack of prayer. Quiet in here. I wonder if some of our issues are just the result of the lack of prayer. When God, God, he declares this, God doesn't move until people pray. And when we pray, we activate God's supernatural ability. It's when we pray, we involve God into the problem. Let me say it this way. Every time I declare God's promises, now his prom- what are his promises? His word. Every time I declare God's promises, I pull him into my problem. Now, whatever problem you're facing, there is a promise in the word of God. So I don't need to just pray whatever I feel. I need to pray what his word says. So I got to find in my Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, I got to find what it says. And I got to come in agreement 
with what his word says. So if my Bible says no weapon formed against you shall prosper, that's something I got to begin to pray. And when I begin to pray what he's already said, he's now involved in my problem. We were swimming in the pool yesterday, me and the boys and Jamie, Jamie's sunbathing, the boys are thrashing me. And uh, I used to lay by the pool. I don't lay by the pool anymore. I just get dunked by my boys, beat up, clawed, bit, all of that. And Jamie's just sunbathing. So I'm out there getting, getting thrashed. And um, we hear the ice cream man, the ice cream truck. You know those, those creepy vans? Like, I mean, this thing, I, it barely ran. It was just, but you could hear the music playing. And then every once in a while, it would have this speaker that would have this creepy voice and say, hello. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretending like I didn't hear it. But Jude's wide awake. He heard it. He says, Dad, the ice cream man. The ice cream man's here. Do you hear it? I'm like, I don't hear it. He said, I hear it. Listen. He said, last time, you said next time he comes, we can get an ice cream. And I'm like, did I, did I, did I really, did I really? And they, they, have, they witnessed each other. Yeah, you did. You said last time, Dad. Last time. You said next time he comes, we can get one. So when they started saying what I said, it makes sense yet? When, when they said what I said, in order not to be a liar, I had to act. The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is his arm short that he cannot save. When we begin to declare God's promises and we begin to pray what he says, we come into agreement with his word. And when we come into agreement with the word of God, we've involved him in our problem. I don't want to go through a problem on my own. I want him with me. Well, I wonder how 2020 is going to work out. I wonder how coronavirus is. Second wave. We're only knee deep in the first wave. Huh? Have you prayed about it? I had to ask myself this. Because some things are so big, you just think it is what it is. But what it is, is not what it has to be. What it is, is not what it has to be. The Bible says with man, this is impossible, but with God, oh, that's a promise. Uh oh, that's in that book. So I can pray what he says. Hey, daddy, you said next time, this should be the cry of the church right now. This should be the cry. Hey, dad, you said that the gates of hell will not prevail. Hey, dad, you said greater is he that's in me than he. Hey, dad, you said you're my provider. Hey, and we begin to say what he, when you come in agreement, the New Testament declares this. It says that the reason that we pray and our prayers are not answered or are not heard is because we pray with wrong motives. People always ask, well, why aren't my prayers being answered? The Bible tells us in the New Testament, it says the reason that you pray and your prayers are not answered is because you pray with wrong motives. The Bible says that, not me. It's the Bible. Wrong motives, which means that I haven't understood what he's saying. I've got to understand what he's saying. What are his promises? I gotta get deep in the word of God. I gotta read what he says about me. I gotta read what he says I can do. I gotta read what he says I can have. I gotta read, I gotta read it and I gotta believe it because this is the next one. Prayer engages 
God's power. Prayer engages God. Not only does it involve God. That's awesome. That's partnership. But it also engages his power. Prayer puts a demand on the power of God. I said this earlier. When we pray, we activate God's supernatural ability. God's supernatural ability is not activated until you pray. I'll say that again. God's supernatural power is not activated until you pray. So you could be living void of the power of God only because you have not prayed. Prayer is declaration of my need. Prayer involves God, but prayer also engages the power of God. I've been uh, deep in some thoughts uh, about the state of our world and culture, and uh, I I talked to the staff about this, but I, I have a concern specifically about the younger generation that we have abandoned absolute truth and we have said that we are going to shift our brains, our beliefs, our doctrines, our lives in neutral and we're going to see where we end up. I got to get a, I got to feel my way along. I have to find myself. All of these phrases have to do with putting yourself in neutral and finding where you end up. Now the Bible tells us that our natural disposition, our natural bent, our magnetic pull of our lives is towards our flesh. If, if I don't direct my mind, I think negatively. If I don't direct my mind, I think critically. I don't think pure. I don't think right. If I put my brain in neutral, I do not think God's thoughts. If I put my heart in neutral, I don't love God more. I wish I did, but the truth of the matter is my neutral for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. My neutral is I was born into sin. If I put this car, this life in neutral, I will gravitate towards self-gratification and my flesh and selfishness. So it's important for me to not be a neutral, but to decide where I want to be. I don't end up at truth. I choose truth. Let's see what happens. Let's see where we end up. Let's see all the young ladies out there when he says that, run. I'll just see what happens. Let's see what happens. It's like, man, good luck with that. It's like the first thing God gave Adam, job. I'm just saying, all right. It's like, before he did anything, it's like, just call it J-O-B. And so I'll just feel it out. I'll see what I'll do. No, you got a job, bro. You got to take care of some business. You got to man up. You got to do some stuff. It's just the way the world works. I'm just going to feel my way along. I'm just like in neutral. Get out of neutral. You've got to make a choice. That's why the Bible says, choose you this day. Whom you will serve. That's why Elijah says, stop wavering between two opinions. If God is God, then worship him. If Baal is God, then worship him. Neutral doesn't cut it. That's why Romans says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Which means this, I learn the word of God and I choose him and his promises. I direct you ever, you ever had your car in neutral and you push down the gas? All you do is make a lot of noise. When you shift it into gear, you engage the, in, you engage the power. 
as a believer, if you never pray, you never engage the power. If you're in neutral, the place of greatest pressure is what will direct you. So if you're in the church internship, you'll serve God. Because there's pressure. But if you go to college and you stop going to church because you're trying to find yourself, that pressure will push you. If you're hanging out with people that are backbiting, critical, and negative, and you find yourself backbiting, critical, and negative, it is because the pressure has pushed your neutral soul into a position. When you're in neutral, you can get into a valley, but you can't get out. You gotta learn how to activate the power of the Holy Ghost. You've gotta learn how to choose for yourself what is right and what you're going to do and when you're gonna do it. Put your life into drive and begin to move towards God's promises and God's blessing and what He's promised for each and every one of us. Is this helping anybody? First John. Chapter 5, verse 14, it says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his... uh, There it is. Goddess. If we ask anything, we're like, ah, tweet that. (laughs) According to his will. So I got to know what his will is. Lord, destroy my neighbor. That's not his will. He said, love your neighbor. So I have to align. I got to be in agreement. My boys didn't say, dad, you said that we could get an ice cream next time. They didn't say that because I didn't say it. They said it because I did say it. If they would have tried to trick me, I would have got them. I never said that. I did not. T- Who told you that? Who- Maybe we need to question sometimes the voices that are coming in our head. Who told you that? Who told you that lie? Who told you that happened? Who told you he did that? Who told you she, who, who? And look at the fruit of their life. I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus said by their fruit, you will know them. When you're trying to make a decision, you better know the fruit of which you're choosing. Because if you don't judge the fruit, you will bear fruit in the same way. That's why Jesus said, make sure you're with the people that are bearing the right. He said, if you're not for me, you're against me. John 5.14 says, if you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. Verse 15 says, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. It says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer. Whoa, that's heavy. Whatever. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, let's just break this down for a second. Believe that you've received it. How does that work? That means I don't have it yet because the next line, it says, and it will be yours. So I'm believing that I have it, but I don't have it yet. That's called faith. Now, I know that's where some of y'all freaking out, like, well... There's that word of faith stuff. That's that faith stuff. Oh, there's a faith church. There's a faith church. What's the opposite of faith? That church you want? First church of doubt? 
think I'll choose faith. People can manipulate it. People can abuse it just like they can any truth. But just because someone abuses it doesn't mean we throw it out. It means that you have to learn how to use it properly. You don't abuse it for your own gain because we read in the verse before that that we can't ask according to things that are not his will. We have to ask in accordance to his will. So all you out there saying things that aren't his will, that's abusing it. But when I look at his word and I understand his promises and I say, I believe, I believe that I have perfect peace and I believe I have received it. Well, I don't feel peace. But if I can believe I have received it, it will be mine. Well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, then be anxious. Try it before you knock it. I believe I have received it, and then you will have it. That's what the scripture says. You know, I think there's a, there's a couple things that are really key when, when you pray. And these are three ways. This is super practical. These are three ways that I'm asking all of our church to pray over this next season. I'm asking us to pray in some specific ways. All right? Here it is. Pray. Here's this word again. Specifically. I'm just praying, Pastor. I'm praying. What are you praying for? What are you praying? Pray specifically. Find a promise in the Word of God and declare it. Find a promise in the Word of God and declare it. Prayer is putting the Word into practice. I'm just praying that coronavirus goes away. Well, that's great. That's great. Why don't you find a promise that goes with it? Like the Lord is your healer. Like no plague will come near your house. Find the promise and begin to pray his word. Pray specifically. Not only pray specifically, you have to pray vigilantly. Now this is really important because for many of us, we pray. Lord, I like this and this and this. And I go through my prayer list, right? Got the music playing, nice cup of coffee, sit in my favorite chair, prayer list, ta-ta-ta-ta-ta. And then we go in life, and the first thing that happens is opposition hits what we just prayed about. And so now we think that God didn't answer our prayer. So this is where you're vigilant. Let me just tell you what vigilant means. It means keenly watchful. To detect danger. Aware. A vigilant sentry. Ever awake and alert. Sleeplessly watchful. What are you watching for? You are watching for any mental picture, association, or thought that speaks failure to you. So if I'm believing for peace, I am vigilant against any thought, association, person, place that will come against that peace. I'm vigilant because I believe I have received it, but I don't, I don't have it yet. So I have to be vigilant against the doubt that the world and the enemy throws at me, and it will happen. Anybody that's ever prayed knows that this is how it works. You pray, we're going to get fired up today, we're going to worship, and we're going to pray, and you're going to go home. Something's going to happen. Someone's going to cut you out, cut you off, get out of the freeway. Your internet's going to go down right at the best part of the worship. And be like, what? oh, man, I, I needed this today. I prayed. And you got to be vigilant. You got to be vigilant. You got to be a sentry. You got to be aware. You got, you know how many times the New Testament says to wake up? You got, you got to wake up. You got to wake up. This is a battle. 
The enemy is after your peace. He's after your future. He's after our church. He's after our unity. He's after the blessing of God. He's after you. So I had to be vigilant. Well, I prayed. Well, now you got to be vigilant against anything that would get in the way of that, that faith. Now, the next one, I have to pray consistently. You never know what prayer it is that's going to break the bondage that you're praying against. You don't know what prayer it is that's going to bring the healing you're asking for. You don't know the prayer that it is that's going to bring the salvation that to, to your son, to your family member. You don't know what prayer it is. So to pray consistently. And I know some of you, you're like, well, if I prayed once and I believe it, I don't have to pray again. And I believe that. I believe that. If, man, if you believe it's done, it's done. But I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. Is that all right? Just go, to, go see what Jesus said. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. I love this because Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. He says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable. A parable is a story. He told them a story to show them that they should always pray and not give up. To show them what? Always pray and not give up. Somebody's got it. Always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me. Bothering? I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? If God looked at us right now, would he find faith on the earth? If he looked at your home right now, would he find faith? Would he find faith in your family? Would he find faith in your home? Would he find faith in your job? This, this is what Jesus said. He said, this is how you should pray. Let me give you a story. I'm going to give you an example of a bothersome widow. And that's how you should pray. You know what this is? Daddy, 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 you said, you said, you said, you said next time. Daddy, I hear the music. You said next time. God's like, okay, Dustin, stop. I'll do it. This, this is not my example. This is Jesus' example. He says, this is how you should pray. You should bother heaven. You should bother God. You should annoy him with your faith and annoy him with your requests. You should annoy him with the tenacity that comes from a man or woman of God that has read this book and knows that what is in it is not meant just for story time, but it's meant for application in 2020. It's meant for application in our day-to-day -day lives. When the Lord looks at us, will he find faith? Will he find faith? on the earth. You know what I want to do? I want to do, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it for the rest of this year. Hopefully for the rest of my life. I'm going to annoy God. Lord, you said you'd heal our land. You said you'd heal our land. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You said that. You said that. Daddy, you said next time I get ice cream. Daddy, you said that the gates of hell would not prevail against your church. Daddy, you said, what did he tell you? Well, man, the economy, Pastor, do you understand the economy? 
I understand that God's our provider. Daddy, you said you would provide. Yep, that's right. That's it. That's it. That's it. The connection with his word, with your prayer, in unleashes the power of God. How is God going to heal our land? God's going to heal our land by healing our lives. How is God going to heal our lives? By us recognizing that we're his We're his people. And by humbling ourselves and beginning to pray, the healing of the land depends on the faith found in it. The the healing of the land depends on the faith found in it. When God looks at the earth, when he looks at the church, will he find faith? I want you to know whatever battle you're facing, I believe it's shifting today. I believe today is a turning point that wherever opposition has come against you or your family, your relationships, I believe prophetically it is shifting today. I declare this over each person in this room and every person that's watching online and will watch all day. I want to declare there is a turning point, not because we're something special, not because we're great, but because we serve a great God. And we as the people of God are not our own. We are His. We were bought with a price. We are called. We are chosen. And as called and chosen sons and daughters of the most high God when we pray God begins to move when the church of Jesus Christ lifts up the prayer of faith God begins to work